Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Les St. Paul, the fan. Wednesday out there. Bradshaw and Brian KFA and text line open for business 64686. I am in the 651 Carpets Plus studios and joining me, you know, let's get let's get them all out of the way. Max Fuller producing the Connecticut Water Systems Hotline. It's all within the first 60 seconds of the show. Joining me now, Michael Russo of The Athletic, theathletic.com. At Russo Hockey via Twitter. Busy day for you yesterday. Busy morning for you, I know, ahead as well. Uh, but thanks for joining me in a whirlwind 36 hours of new coaching staff gone. and uh, Or, excuse me, old coaching staff gone. New head coach here. Now, I want to start with this, Mr. Russo. Uh, I, I don't know media scrums. I, I'm assuming that uh, you always get the first question. I don't know to be sure. But if there was a betting line, Mr. Russo, on... Who would be the first one to welcome them to Minnesota? John Hines, new coach of the Wild. I mean, the heavy favorite had to be Kevin Gorg, right? John, first of all, welcome to Minnesota. You you mentioned making a connection. I mean, when I heard that yesterday, it just, I couldn't help but laugh. It's it's tough news. It's a serious conversation. I hear Gorgie roll that out, and I just I started laughing, Russo. Yep, Minnesota nice. You know, that's what, you know that's how they uh, they raise them in Burnsville. <laughs> and uh, and Gorgie always always very polite, unlike our us out of town hockey writers that are, you know, that a lot of fans uh, always remind me I'm not from here. So uh, I forgot to I forgot to welcome John. <laughs> I I, I want to get to the positive news of a team ending a losing streak. The Minnesota Wild beat the St. Louis Blues last night at the X three one. John Hines gets his first victory. And maybe some of the logistics leading through, assistant coaches running the morning skate. I want to get to all of that, but kind of going backwards to the beginning of this into yesterday's presser. Uh, you asked Billy G, Billy Garen, GM, Minnesota Wild, uh, how things kind of change over the course of maybe a 10 day stretch where, you know, it was more about, you know, coaches can't yeah. go out there and do what players do. And, 
you know, how often is it that one coach is fired and the new coach is kind of like already in town? I don't know if he already owns a house here or what, but it but it seemed like such a quick move <laughs> to go from from Dean Evason and Bob Woods being dismissed to now John Hines being behind the bench. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot's unpacked there. I mean, first of all, it does happen a lot in the league. I mean, I, when Bruce Boudreaux took over the Anaheim Ducks, he had gotten fired like a day or two before by the Washington Capitals. Um, he goes to George McPhee's house, gets fired at 7 a.m. George McPhee calls him a half hour later, asks him to return to his house. He comes in there and said, you want to go to Anaheim? And he flies to Anaheim, is in Anaheim on the night that Randy Carlisle is coaching his last game, and the next morning is press conference uh, where everything, you know, all hell broke loose. So this does happen in the, in the National Hockey League a lot. And, you know, if you had read our stories and listened to my podcast and things like that, I, I had been forecasting for really a week and a half that if Dean Evison was fired, that John Hines would be the guy. It just made the most logical sense to me, uh, just based on the history of, of Bill Guerin with John Hines and um, and and also Ray Shiro, who's Bill's senior advisor, um, hired John Hines and Wilkes-Barre originally and hired him to, for his first head coaching job in the NHL in New Jersey. So it just made a lot of sense. I know there's a lot of respect level in the organization for John. And, um, you know, things definitely changed over, over the week. And, you know, I remember after that Detroit game, I immediately uh, texted Joe Smith, who's, you know, my colleague and was covering the game in Detroit. I'm like, I, we need to change the narrative. It just, this just doesn't feel right. And that's what Bill basically said, uh, during the news conference yesterday is it just felt like it wasn't going to change. And, yeah. you know, I think that, I think that Bill probably deep down thought it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for this organization to have the, you know, a bad season and get a top top draft pick. But, you know, when you look at the playoffs in the West, it is a doable thing for the wild to get back into the race. And, and this team's edict still the obligation is to make the playoffs. They are this is a win now organization, whether you know fans want to roll their eyes at it or not. That is the organizational philosophy. And when you go o two and two after reading the team the riot act and you're watching the team actually play better but still unable to muster a victory, um, you, you just kind of know that that is probably time and and it needed to be now or never, especially with a ton of winnable games coming up and and, you know, the, the look on the bench during that Detroit game was one of frustration and starting to look at each other and, and doubting themselves. And, you know, I just, my spider senses were up Sunday night. And, and you know, if you probably read my, our mailbag on, um, on Monday morning, I mean, we predicted it was going to happen that day. And, and, and it just, the spider senses were up. I mean, a lot of this job sometimes is reporter intuition. And you just knew that if it was going to happen, it was going to be one of those either happen Monday or it would be a Jay Woodcroft type situation where no matter what Dean Evison did in last night's game, he could have won eight nothing. That we'd be going to a press conference today. It just mm. felt like it was it was over for Dean. Uh, that's Michael Russo, the Athletic, and uh, all of Russo's appearances nine to noon are brought to you by Ovo LASIK and Lens, best in town when it comes to LASIK and all eye-related health issues. And they fix them for a living, and they do it at a high level. OvoEye.com, the spot to go for Lobanoff and Dr. Whiting, two of the best in the business. And, you know, you mentioned it, that, that intuitive part, and, and you've covered this game for a long time. So, so those, those senses are certainly sensitive, and in this case, they were correct. Now, under different circumstances, Russo, like, let's say it's not an awful start, and they're not five points out of a wild card spot as they are through 20 games right now. 
it, were Everson's days kind of numbered as it was? Like, how do you look at that in terms of you, you get off to an awful start, it forces some hands, and their their eyes are on the playoffs, and we can argue that the the realism of that all day, but. In the end, you know, you, you lose in the first round of the playoffs again. Or if special teams mm-hmm. remains in an evergreen conversation with this squad, were his days ultimately kind of numbered as it was? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, I mean, Bill Guerin did not want to fire Dean Evison. Bill Guerin has an immense amount of respect for, for Dean, thinks he's a great coach. Um, and I think that, you know, they, they made the playoffs this year. I mean, depending on the circumstances, if they lost in the first round again, it didn't necessarily say the end of Dean Evison. I mean, Bill understands um, that that this roster is flawed and it's very hard for a coach when you – I mean, it is just a reality. When you are coaching a team that's $15 million under the cap, um, that you are not going out on an even slate with the opponent on a most nightly basis, and that is hard for a coach. To Dean's credit, he never made excuses for that, at least publicly. For inward, he understood that that's a huge handicap. Um, but – but, I, you know, I think that, that they were willing, even a couple days before, to stick with Dean. But it just, nothing was changing. And, um, and you know, there just, there just came a point where, and even the way that Dean was conducting himself behind the bench and, and in post-game press conferences, you know, and I, I think I'll, I'll learn a little more about this uh, today. Um, but I think he knew that his days were numbered and he was trying to do absolutely everything. And his final straw as we saw when Mike Yo was fired, you know, if you remember when Mike Yo was fired, we were in St. Louis. He got a vote of confidence that day, and all of a sudden, he started doing desperate moves, scratching Thomas Vanek, putting Jason Zucker on the fourth line, you know, things like that. And in the coming, in the last couple of days, last week of, of Dean Evanson's tenure here, you know, he was calling out Karol Kaprizov. He was calling out Matt Boldy. He was dropping guys in the lineup, and you know, that's always a sign that a coach realizes that they've got to really ruffle the feathers, shake the trees to try to, try to you know, not just save his job, because I don't think that's what Dean Evanson's all about, but turn this thing around yeah. in an emergency, DEFCON-type situation, and obviously it didn't work. It, did uh, did Evanson have a Mike Yo stick-breaking moment? Uh, not publicly. Um, you know, maybe behind the scenes. Uh, you know, the Mike Yo, we had two of those uh, in Minnesota. The one... In, in, in at XL Energy Center that made the rounds again yesterday when uh, uh, Mini Hockey on Twitter uh, posted it, pretending it was John Hines as a joke. And some people, just because it was so long ago, didn't get it or didn't remember it, but it actually was John Hines. Um, I still think that Mike Yo one was absolutely orchestrated, but um, the one in Arizona that I witnessed was absolutely for real. And that one I know is for real because if I, if, if, if that one, if you remember the circumstances of that one, and maybe people don't remember that one because it was here, um, they changed the practice time and actually pushed it back. Yeah. And, and Chad Graff, I believe, was the beat writer in May. We didn't get that note. So we showed up at practice at the right time, and we, all of a sudden we just hear yo going nuts. And, it, and that one, to me, made it like, like there's one that might plan to do this but didn't want the writers around for it. And uh, so I, I don't know if Dean had those that moment. He definitely didn't have it on the ice, uh, but definitely, you know, off the ice. I'm sure there were some harsh, harsh words for this struggling team. So now the – and I've gotten a couple of text messages on it over the last day and change now since the change was made, since John Hines was – uh, was introduced, and you know your guy, your cohort, as as you mentioned earlier, uh, Joe Joe Smith, not only joined us, but he wrote a piece yesterday using the term. Now 
now Billy G has played the coach card. And from a general manager manager's perspective, it's it's not cliched. It's just kind of it's true in terms of how many different things a GM can really do to to spark the team, to make to to send messages, to make statements. And he does the he does the the coach card now. And you know, flawed roster, minimal moves that are able to be made, guys that are locked up for multiple years. You know, now this this John Hines maneuver feels like at least in the short term, the last material or substantial f- statement that Billy G can make in the, in the short term. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if this doesn't work, uh, that you know, they're they're not making the playoffs this year because there's just very minimal things that that he could do to really change this roster dramatically. Unless for some reason he was going to go into core pieces like Jonas Perdeen or even you know Jared Spurgeon or something like that. But you know, right now. This is a organization that uh, re-signed all its really high-profile, um, valuable uh, Group 3 pending free agents and just have guys like, you know, Brandon Duhamel, who I think you can get something for, um, Pat Maroon, um, you know, Zach Bogosian, uh, players like that. So there's just not a lot more that he could do because of the lack of flexibility that, in part, Bill gave himself. And, and, um, and uh, you know, with the no-trade clauses and re-signing these guys. So... You know, this is the move. Um, there's, there's no doubt now the pressure goes on Bill because he created this roster. And, it, you know, a lot of the guys he inherited, but he's the one that extended them. So, um, you know, the pressure is, is definitely on Bill right now, as, as Joe wrote today. And, you know, Bill knows that. Uh, he, there's always pressure on him to do that. But when you fire Dean this early in the season and not wait until the end, you know, now immediately the focus goes right onto the players and right onto the GM because it's not, it's no longer Dean Evison's issue. It's now Bill Guerin's. So last night, this team wins a game and just following it, whether it's a lot of guys having their best, uh, best game of the season, Matt Boldy getting his second goal, uh, the spark, at least for a night, and we get to watch it moving forward, of course. Uh, man, that team looked damn good last night, Mr. Russo. Yeah, they did, and 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 they're it's like Brock Faber said yesterday morning. It's a wake up call for them. I, I don't think that's a sign. Like I know that look, there's a reason why teams get bumps after coaching changes. It's because all of a sudden the players realize there's no excuses anymore. I don't think it's indicative of just saying, "Well, there's proof positive that they tuned uh, tuned Dean Evison out." Um, that that was a team that played more like itself. Um, it's the fastest they've looked this season. They got out of their zone really cleanly. They took care of their own zone. They killed penalties for a change. Um, they got goaltending for a change. They got big goals from their important players for a change. I'm sure if Dean Evison was watching, he's like, what the F? You know, <laughs> where was this? Um, you know, that, that, that team looked really good. Um, against the St. Louis team that's had some really big wins this year, but has had some unbelievable clunkers. And if there ever was a, cure for all their ills on the PK it was the St. Louis Blues. That's the worst power play I think I've ever seen. I mean, they were 6 for 65 this year. Um, so if there was ever a PK, you know, a power play that could help fix things, it was that one. So the Wild did its job yesterday, but as Jared Spurgeon said after the game yesterday, it cannot be a one-off. I mean, they've put themselves in a position where they still have the second-fewest wins in the league, are barely above 32nd in the NHL. They're six points out of a playoff spot, yes, and that's very doable to get back in it. But they've got to get on a run now. And, and again, they've got winnable games coming up. Like, you go to Nashville, that's, that's a winnable game in a building that is not kind to them. The Wild never play well there. 
or rarely do. Um, and uh, but then you come home against the Blackhawks. You're going to Edmonton, which is always a you know you go to Calgary, who's struggling. You go to uh, Vancouver, who's been great. Uh, uh, but you got at least you got a day off there on a second of back to back. You go to Edmonton, which is every I think Wild fan knows is the team that they're most successful against in this league forever. Um, you know, at least since the days I, I, I've covered the, uh, this team. So there's a lot of games coming up that they could really reel off wins. And I, I think that's also what Bill Guerin probably looked at is he looked at the schedule ahead and said, you know, can I get the bump now? Um, when you look at the West this year being down and the pace for to make the playoffs was in the mid-80s, um, you know, now sort of the time that, that if it wasn't going to happen now, it just never was going to happen. So um, we'll see if they could do it. They played well last night, but it can't be just a one-off. They've got to get a much better play from a lot of players in the lineup. And, yes, it was a good sign. Spurgeon played great. Boldy played great. Goudreau played great. Kaprizov looked, again, a little like himself, still not producing. Um, but but there were a lot of things to like about last night's game, and I know John Hines felt like it was an easy game to coach, and, and that's got to continue. So moving forward now, what does this transition look like, whether it's he wants to tweak a power play or a penalty kill or he wants to implement his vision on this team, uh, which obviously he wants to do? What what kind of process is that? Is this a, well, it's it's we're going to do a turnover by Christmas, or is there is there a goal in mind, a number of games? I mean, he's just introducing himself yesterday. So a lot of what we watched in that Blues game, you know, status quo or kind of the, the same processes that they've been following. But eventually, Hines wants to put his stamp on this thing. What's that transition period like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a work in progress as he continues to evaluate the team. He, he said yesterday he didn't want to make wholesale changes and that he would need to first watch the team before he starts really implement, implementing too many tactical Things. You know, he's going to rely on his coaching staff that he inherited in guys like Darby Hendrickson and, and Jason King and TJ Jindra to really help, you know, kind of move things along. They, they elevated Patrick Dwyer from Iowa, who's a bright young coach, was a really good hockey player, um, and, and to run the D and, and the penalty kill. And, and we'll see where it goes. You know, this, this guy, John Hines, he's still trying to get his, his head about him right now. You know, he comes in here late, late Monday night. Um, staying in a hotel right now. He'll go back to Nashville today and, and get all his stuff, I assume, and bring it back on the team plane. So that at least works out for him. And, uh, you know, then he's got a bunch of practices coming up where he can start to really evaluate things. Um, you know, last night was still, you know, this is, this is somebody that got lost. You know, he, he came in on the, on the street level, so he got lost trying to figure out how to, how to get down at the event level. He's, you know, he's, everybody's telling him, all right, you put 46 in this position and 7 and 25 in this position and 14 in this position. And finally, he's like, you got to tell me names. I don't know the numbers yet. Um, so, you know, he's got a lot to sort of wrap his head around before he can really take a breath and start to evaluate. It's very hard to come in here without a bunch of practices. That's also one reason why I thought if Dean was going to get let go, it might be the week before because remember, they came back from Sweden and they had four days off. And if you were going to ever do it, you had a new coach come in and, sort of have time to get his bearings, but those, you know, the two losses against Colorado and, and, and Detroit just became too much to handle for the, for the management and, and they made the change. Well, maybe, maybe Dean can look at it somewhat, you know, bittersweet where at least I got the trip to Sweden, right? <laughs> yeah. And Dean has got, you know, Dean, Dean has nothing to feel shame about. You know, this, this coach, he's a good one. I love um, Dean. And I know that, yeah, there's like, you know, um, I know there's a lot of wild fans that want to blame everything on, on, on the coaches all the time. And, 
you know, I, I joked on yesterday, but but I, I read the tweets. I think that a lot of Wild fans think the best coaches are themselves. Um, Dean did a really quality job here for a team that had so much cap issues. He couldn't ever really scratch guys because of the cap issues. Um, you know, I mentioned it a thousand times in the playoffs last year. You know, Ryan Hartman goes down. You got to move Sam Steele up. Joe Pavelski goes down. You put Tyler Sagan on the first power in the series. There, there's a huge difference when you're coaching a team with the cap hits that the Wild have. Uh, Dean's going to get a job very quickly in this league. He's going to be one of the next coaches off the bench, so to speak, if he wants it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he could take some time off, collect his 1.8 and 1.9 million or whatever it is, and um, and take some time and be selective about his new job. But uh, you know, uh, this this is a coach that's gonna that's gonna coach again. Uh, I think very soon. I, I did get this. Just a couple more for you, and and thank you so much for your time uh, on short notice, Russo. I really appreciate it. But uh, I did get this, so and, well. and and I, I love Darby Hendrickson. Everyone loves Darby Hendrickson, but I got I got this text from John. Does Darby wear a suit of armor? He seems to survive all the coaching changes. Well, he looks like he's wearing a suit of armor because he's the most ripped assistant coach in the NHL. I think <laughs> uh, guys in fabulous shape. He could probably still suit it up and play. Um, you know, he's got a lot of respectful level in the organization. He's been here through, as, as uh, John mentioned, a lot of regimes. Um, you, you know, uh, this is this is not an assistant coaching uh, issue with, with Darby Henderson at all. Uh, you know, I, I get people sometimes they are like, all right, you know, let's just make changes. Um, but, uh, you, you know, to me, that would just be a change to make a change. Uh, I don't think that I, I, I do also see that a lot. And to me, uh, I know that they're that. The people that work with Darby have an immense amount of respect for his ability to, to deal with players, his ability to coach, his ability to tactically run a practice and things like that. And, and uh, you know, so far he is safe and he's got term left on his contract and um, another, I believe, year after this because I believe all the assistant coaches, you know, that was one thing that, uh, you know, here's one thing I will tell you that, that, that might have hurt Dean. Um, is, you know, when he got his extension, it just shows his loyalty. He made sure that he didn't sign on the dotted line until Bill Guerin took care of the entire coaching staff and put him, put them on the same term as him. Um, but at the end of last season, I genuinely think that Bill Guerin wanted to make a change to the, to Bill, to Bob Woods then. Um, the, the penalty kill was so bad in the playoffs. And if you remember, Dean Evison pulled Bill into a room and showed him video of all nine power play goals that they gave up in the playoff series and went through each one and showed him how it wasn't a coaching thing. And it was, you know, lost face-offs, bad goals, things like that. And I think that when the penalty kill got a thousand times worse this year, it, you know, Bill Guerin remembered that and probably did pin that on Dean that I could have changed that at the end of the season by bringing in a new assistant coach. And you essentially stood up for your guy and convinced me otherwise. And so, um, you know, I don't, again, it, Darby doesn't coach, it's it's an all-encompassing coaching staff, but they have somebody in charge of the power play and somebody in charge of the penalty kill, and Darby's not neither. So, you know, that might be one reason why he continues to, you know, stay on regime after regime because he's not one of those specialty coaches, so to speak. Uh, last thing for you, in the end, this team wants to move forward. In the <clears> end, as as we we just mentioned minutes ago, the the idea and the realism of, envisioning this team still getting into playoff contention this this team writing the ship so to speak how do you look at that in the west right now where despite just being five points out of a spot i mean you're looking up at the coyotes the flames the crack and the ducks and the and the edmonton oilers 
So not the only team, speaking of the Oilers, I mean, and, and the Flames, not, not the only team with playoff aspirations that's absolutely laying eggs right now. But how realistic is that moving forward for our favorite hockey team? Well, the good news of what you just said is you mentioned four teams that the Wild haven't played yet. So if the Wild take care of their own business, they're going to help themselves. St. Louis was a team they hadn't played with. St. Louis is a team in a playoff spot, and the Wild essentially turned that into a four-point win yesterday uh, by, by keeping them from getting two and them falling back two. So if they take care of their business, they can absolutely get back into this race. Also, the thing about the teams that you mentioned is that on paper, and especially if you put it into context to the 100-point teams that we've just seen the last couple of years, the Wild are better than all those teams. And so, you know, if, again, if they get their, their act together and start playing like we are accustomed to seeing, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but they've got to take care of their own business. They can't go into these long losing streaks. They've got to string together regulation wins right now because they have a ton of games against the West, so you don't want to be giving even a point away yeah. um, to these other teams. So I, I think it's doable. I, I, I look at those teams, and I think the Wild on paper are better rosters than all of them. The one team that would scare me if they get a goaltender is Edmonton. Um, but, again, I look at the teams that are in a playoff spot, and I think the Wild are better, um, at least on the bottom of it. So. Um, I, I definitely think this is the reason why Bill Guerin made the move now, because I think he looks at it in the same way, that this is a playoff roster, and uh, if I make the move now and give them the bump that often happens after coaching changes, whether it's the old coaching regime's fault or not, that, they, that they're going to get on a little bit of a run here. We've seen the Wild reel off tons of wins in a row. If you remember, it was Thanksgiving last year where this team turned its entire season around, yep. got better goaltending. And last night was a good example where I thought Gustafson finally looked like the guy that we saw opening night when he reeled off 41 saves in a row against the Panthers. Thanks for what you do, and we'll talk again next week. Yep, see you, Nordo. That's Michael Russo, The Athletic, theathletic.com, at Russo Hockey via Twitter. And Russo's appearance is always brought to you by Ovo, LASIK and Lens. That's where I got my LASIK, and you should too, ovoi.com. And that kicks off 9 to noon. Congratulations to the Minnesota Wild. We're, we're going to talk more about that during the 11 a.m. hour. Pat Micheletti will be joining me on the phone as well. And uh, we'll look more into last night's 3-1 victory over the Blues. And I, I've gotten, you know, as over the next few days, digging more into John Hines and what, what he's bringing here. You know, I got an email from Todd. Why did we hire a guy that's 4-15 and 15 in the playoffs? So a team that... I mean, we are gripping right now as a fan base. Get out of the first round, please. And after this move, now John Hines is the guy. Uh, Contract-related obligations put Billy G and company in a spot where they can't make material or substantial moves at any point, really, in the short term. So difficult times. A statement was made. They get a win last night. Boldy, just his second goal of the season, signs of life for him. Freddie Goudreau, not, uh, hopefully the team wasn't relying upon him putting 40 in the net over the course of a season, but he finally got his first goal and I believe even his first point of the year. So getting uh, getting the offense rolling has been uh, has been a topic of conversation that uh, in this particular case led to a coaching change. So good times and weird uh, weird timing as it is. The former Nashville Predators head coach in John Hines is taking his hockey team to Nashville tomorrow night to face the Predators, and you'll get to hear that right here on your home. For Wild Hockey, the fan. Timber Tech set list, TimberTech.com. I mentioned Pat Micheletti at uh, 11 o'clock. And at 10 a.m., we're going to jump down to TCO Studios in Egan, catch up with Gabe Henderson, Vikings Entertainment Network. Vikings into a bye, 6-6 six six record. Uh, fresh off, just a debacle on Monday night. 
and looking forward to a pause followed by hopefully uh, a might you say a gauntlet of games or a string of games that the Vikings uh, have a good chance to either make their statement made you know talk about making statements uh, find themselves solidified in playoff spots maybe even compete with the division but uh, but certainly seeing the Rams and the Packers nipping at their heels uh, five game stretch uh, needs to be handled uh, nicely the return of Justin Jefferson and all of that will cover that uh, at 10 a.m. as well. Max Fuller is producing. He's going to handle Vikes bites around the corner. And Vikings heavy conversation today, where we kind of started it yesterday. Reworking the offense over the course of the bye. Kevin O'Connell for Josh Dobbs. Or making the move to Nick Mullins or Jared Hall. What's the right way? Are you drunk on Dobbs? That's the way PA put it yesterday. Are you drunk on Dobbs or are you done with Dobbs? This is your opportunity on a Wednesday to participate. 64686, Bradshaw and Bryant text line. Already gotten a bunch of that uh, in the mix already. So, But we're going to go heavy on on the quarterback uh, conundrum, the Dobbs dilemma today uh, throughout 9 to noon. So we're looking forward to participate in that. And then the Wolves, they just can't lose. And they stay atop the West. Uh, thanks to Max for producing. I'm Nordo in for PA on a Wednesday TimberTech, TimberTech.com brings you the set list. Vikes Bites around the corner. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the fan. Experience the heavy hitting evening during First Wrestling Presents Hot Streak. Known as Minnesota's best kept secret, First Wrestling takes professional wrestling to a new level. Head over to our contest page and register for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Can't Miss event on May 18th at Treasure Island. That's KFN.com keyword contest to enter. Myriad text messages to get into with Vikes Bites just around the corner. Got to try Hall. Mullins is not the future. Hall may be the future. Let's find out now. Done with Dobbs. Another text. Ready to embrace the tank. Say Again, the tanking part. We're, we're beyond tanking. We can't tank at this stage. We, 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 we should have tanked two months ago if that was truly an idea, which I don't think is realistic in the first place. But let KOC mold his own QB of the future. Okay, get that. Nordo, I'm drunk on Dobbs for one more week. He will have two weeks to work with JJ. He'll have a short leash as Mullins will be ready. Well, Mullins has been off the IR for a couple of weeks. That's And, and we'll kind of get into that as well. Is reworking the offense for Dobbs or executing the existing offense? And, and this, is, this is the thing, too. We're not arguing over... Man, who, who, who for your taste was better? Was it Prime Brady or Prime Peyton Manning? This is Dobbs or Mullins. And then J- Jaron Hall is, is kind of third in line here. I mean, that, that, that's where I mean, this thing starts to tiptoe towards the absurd. Uh, but, but my belief would be is Mullins is ready. Now ready to take the world by storm? 
Super Bowl or bust. I, I don't look at it like that again. Talking about Dobbs and Mullins here. Not Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Who you got? No, that's, this ain't the case. So um, I would believe that Mullins would be ready in the first place. Uh, I got this text message. Looks like he's down Arizona way. I believe Dobbs gives us the best chance to win. I'd hate to see him get benched without playing with J.J. at least once. Not a packet, po- uh, not a not a packet passer. How about a pocket passer? <laughs> Dial up RPOs, bootlegs. Let his legs give him some space. That's where it's. It, there's some talkability here too because it's now been four games, and this texter, me, PA, most rubes, we've been kind of asking. Okay, last couple of games, he hasn't gotten out of the pockets. Why aren't we putting him in a position to do what he does best? Well, what does he do best? Because right now, some of what. Kirk Cousins would have made look rudimentary or simple or easy is not proving to be simple from a throwing standpoint for Mr. Dobbs. The thing he does best is is right now is he runs. The best plays that Dobbs has made are with his legs. So getting him outside, is, is it that easy? Again, reworking the offense. And we've now had four games with him in town. Are we going to do that? Or are we sticking to best laid previously laid plants so more and and i got a bunch of text messages i want to i want to jump on them i know nine to noon once in a while let's just say we ask for texts and then we get them because you're loyal listeners and you and we appreciate it we don't have jobs without you and then we don't read the texts (laughs) so it's like the sign we take the reservations but we don't keep the reservation i i we're going to read the text today but more on dobbs and, and that'll be kind of the vibe at least throughout today's show. Uh, hopefully, Ben Lieber will be in studio tomorrow. I, I imagine into the bye week that the conversation will persist. Uh, but let's get to Vikes Bites, brought to you by Northern Fire Grilling and Barbecue Supply. Uh, just off uh, just off Shady Oak, north of 62 in Minnetonka, northernfirebbq.com. You've heard me talk about them. I've tweeted about them. I adore them. Best in barbecue for equipment, accessories, rubs, and expertise. Northernfirebbq.com. They still have a couple days left of their every day is Black Friday and November deal where you're getting $100 off for every thousand you spend on equipment. So grills, smokers, pizza ovens, they got it all and they got cool deals. So check them out, northernfirebbq.com. Let's get into into Vikes Bites and and we don't have a ton of time left in this segment, so maybe we'll we'll pour it over in the next segment as well if, if we don't finish up. But where are we headed to first, Max? Uh, we're headed Jay Jetta's way because after seven long, grittyless weeks, the return of Justin Jefferson is imminent as the Vikings activated JJ from the IR yesterday. Uh, the Vikes have obviously managed to go five and two without Jay Jetta's, but his absence was perhaps felt the most profoundly on Monday against the Bears, in which the Vikings only managed 242 yards on offense. And I believe JJ has only been a part of something like five games that were ever around that or less in terms of total offensive yardage. And KOC implied yesterday that JJ's return will impact his decision on who will start at quarterback, saying we're going to make sure that whoever is playing quarterback is aware and understands the intent behind plays where either Justin is the primary or based upon coverage, based upon the defensive look, how to quickly and efficiently uh, efficiently get the ball to the right place to go with the football. Yeah, and that's so... That plays into the Dobbs conversation as well, as you heard it there, because 
He's going to come back and he's going to be the A target in this most recent game against the Bears. If Justin Jefferson is where Jordan Addison is when Dobbs threw maybe one of his two or three nice passes of the night and it hits Jordan Addison in the helmet, deflects into the awaiting arms of a Bears defender, I think J.J. catches that. Later on, and, and the Vikings get paid off with the T.J. Hawkinson touchdown anyway. But that deep pass from Dobbs, Addison kind of gets lost in terms of where he is in the universe at that particular time. And the ball needed to be needed to be thrown a bit differently from Dobbs, we could say. I think I think J.J. makes a play on that. So that's kind of some of the differences maybe you can look at in moments with Justin Jefferson. But Justin Jefferson, what is his impact based on the guy that's got to deliver the ball? We love J.J. And we've all been bored with talking about will he play, will he not play? People have become elite hamstring injury-related minds over the last month and a half as as it is to why he's either on or off the field or should be or shouldn't be. But the guy's got to get him the ball. And so J.J. in itself is a massive lifter for this team. But in the end, who's going to throw him the ball a week from Sunday at Allegiant? That's what I'm most curious about. I think it should be Mullins or Hall. But I don't make those decisions. One more before we pause yeah, and then come back to a couple more. Let's do it. Speaking of Mullins, KOC admitted after Monday's game that it started to get to the point where he was thinking about putting Nick Mullins in the game late in, t- in terms of trying to give the team a spark. Although there's more to the Mullins and Dobbs dilemma that a lot of people think. Mullins last started multiple games in a season in 2020 where he went 2-6 and six with 12 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Uh, over his career, he has a full season's worth of games, and uh, he had 7.8 yards per pass attempt on 65% completion percentage, although he has thrown 23 interceptions in 17 starts. Well, yeah, again, this isn't... Uh, uh, this isn't, you know, Marino versus Aikman here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts, even. And that's... in in. The, the team can't look at it the same way that we look at it as fans in terms of many people that listen to our show that love this team. We got to see what the draft pick. We got to see what Jaron Hall looks like. We, we got to know what he has in him. If Kirk, if Kirk Cousins is healthy, we're not talking about that, of course. It's my opinion that if Mullins was not on IR, we never make the move for Dobbs in the first place. But... I could be wrong, but likely not. So, Mullins is not, it's not exciting. Mullins is not interesting. (laughs) Mullins is not, uh, he doesn't have a track record of being high end. There's no doubt about that. But, whether it's the JJ conversation, executing the offense, knowing how to get the ball to your playmakers, and and putting this team in a spot where maybe we start hitting receivers in stride, so that eight-yard catch becomes 20, that sort of thing, that this offense, when it's at its best, which includes Kirk Cousins playing in this offense, that it's been known for, not explosives and turning a, a perfect 60-yard ball downfield, but a perfect 30-yard pass over the middle that turns into 60 yards, is Mullins 
the best at doing that among the three options. Because at this stage, this team, again, I, I hate using the word tank, but that's not going to happen. So they are currently a playoff team, and they would like to improve their position the best they can and figure out this offense going into as of now. There's about a 65% chance, if you're looking into simulation analytics and such, that this team's going to be playing a playoff game. So they got five weeks after this bye to figure out this offense. Is it with Dobbs? Is it with Mullins? I still, I still, and I, I, I understand. Give Hall a chance. And I'm not necessarily against that in totality, but I think Mullins is the person that gives this team the best chance to win games in the individual season of 2023. So... We'll continue to talk about that. We'll continue some Vikes Bites that Max put together around the corner. Uh, much appreciated. Your text messages, some emails coming in booth at KFAN.com uh, as well. But uh, are you drunk on Dobbs or are you done with Dobbs? And uh, we'll continue this conversation with some Vikes Bites presented by Northern Fire Grilling and Barbecue Supply around the corner. It's 9 to noon on the fan. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, on the fan. KFAN is taking over Las Vegas when the Vikes take on the Raiders. Join the power trip live from Buffalo Wild Wings Friday, December 8th, followed by the Miller Lite Friday football feast with PA, Charge, and Nordo. KFAN live in Las Vegas is brought to you by Mall of America. See you there. More info at KFAN.com. Make the keyword calendar. Skull! Hell yeah. Can't wait for next week in Vegas. It's going to be an absolute blast. And that kind of continues down the line of who I'm going to be seeing on Sunday at Allegiant against the Raiders. A couple of text messages, 64686, Bradshaw and Brian, KFAN text line. And this is very Vegas related uh, from Frog Guy. I'd say I'm hung over on Dobbs. It was a great first night and we kept going hard. And now it's to the point where I've OD'd. Still <laughs> tempted to give it another go, but I need a break. That's what happens when you go too hard the first night in Vegas. <laughs> And then you're in the twilight zone or the shampoo effect. <laughs> and that second day, it gets real easy to restart the engines. But that third day. Oof. Oh, man. And in this case, that third day happened to be that game in Denver. And if you try to give it a go on the fourth day, just give up. <laughs> and that's what happened on Monday against the Chicago Bears as it relates to our quarterback, which creates a Dobbs dilemma. But uh Let's do this. Uh, wrap up this segment with some more Vikes Bites presented by Northern Fire Grilling and Barbecue Supply. We got a couple down already. What uh, What's next, Max? Uh, a lot of Vikings fans might be asking themselves, what happened to Dobbs? What did the Bears do differently than other teams? Well, KOC said they're really trying to keep him as much as they can in the pocket working through his progressions. When he has moved, the tendency has been to go backwards and out of the pocket as opposed to go up and out and not really having some of those voids to push up and out and remain a passer and apply pressure in that way. They've done a good job of trying to contain his ability to get out of the pocket and impact the game either with his legs. Yeah, and, and that's been an ongoing conversation which leads into the Dobbs dilemma is 
well, let's we, we need KOC to do things that put him in a position to do what he does best. Well, I first again would ask, what does he do best after using his legs? And we love the running touchdowns. We love those moments of athleticism. It's awesome. But what does he do once he gets outside the pocket? The last two games in, the, in particular, we haven't seen a ton of it because both the Broncos and the Bears were so damn good at containing him. And other than, and, and you can watch this, he has a tendency where he'll actually, when he escapes pressure, his go-to is to push forward frontside, but then he'll twist and turn out of it and go to the backside, running, ultimately running to his left to throw with his right arm. And you just haven't seen that. So where the, where the offense and just even the question of how easy it is to accommodate such a, a different type of QB than what this team enjoyed with Kirk Cousins, that in itself is a conundrum. But then as teams have the ability and the right to adjust and they watch film too and they try to win games as well, they've done a really good job the last couple of weeks. Now, how much was intentional about him pushing out? How much was unintentionally blocked by way of an offensive line that I don't think had their best performance last, uh, well, Monday night against the Bears in particular. So balancing all of those things, in the end, executing the offense, and I would say that Dobbs is making it a hell of a lot harder on himself during the good moments than it has to be. And as cool and calm and collected as he looks in the pocket, the finished result when he unleashes that thing, it just isn't good enough. So where do we go from here? Again, we're not talking about Brady and Manning here. We're talking about Dobbs and Mullet. So nothing. There, there's no. There's no sexiness. There's no right answer. It feels like in some respects with this. But yeah, keeping them contained hasn't uh, hasn't boded well uh, for our guys. Yeah, KOC isn't necessarily done with Dobbs. He had to say this. He said, "You can't take away from what Josh has has been able to accomplish early on. Now we just need to assess: can we sustain moving forward? Can we get him to a place where we can be a little bit more consistent as an offense? Limit our turnovers. What that looks like? All conversations we're going through at this very moment. Whoever the Vikings quarterback is, they should have a little bit easier defense to fare against as the Raiders and the Bengals rank 22nd and 21st, respectively, in EPA against the pass. Yeah, we like that, and we're catching uh, the Raiders. I mean, you want to talk about up and downs for the the black hole faithful uh, out in formerly Oakland, now uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Up and down squad. Max Crosby is going to be a problem and somebody that we focus on most of the week. But their defense can be had. And then and then catching the Bengals as I, I just don't know how they're going to score points. And it feels like given what we've watched the last couple of weeks, I, I don't know if you can say that you should feel confident going into any game until we solve this 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 turnover issue. I mean, I, I, another text here where we've seen enough of Dobbs. The Bears forced him to be a, a pocket passer or a packet passer by protecting the outside. He turns the ball over even when he's playing well. Eight turnovers in his four games with the Vikings. So the turnovers giving these these Raiders or these Bengals extra possessions is part of the conversation. Regardless of the fact that their defenses in themselves are mediocre, uh, they, they I can't go in confidently saying that we're going to mash on Las Vegas or the Bengals right now. I can't be confident in that regard. Uh, one last text, uh, you know, and, and good point with this, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but... Recipe for failure, triple-covered wide receiver, inaccurate QB who's trapped in the pocket, no running game. So, KOC adapting this offense to the QB, 
It hasn't worked thus far. How much has he tried to make the QB adapt to the offense? It's part of the Dobbs dilemma. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, just a tiny little tidbit. Okay. I know it seems like the sky is falling after the Bears lost, but good news for Vikings fans. The Vikes would still be in the playoffs if they started today. The Vikes currently occupy the seventh seed in the NFC and would head to San Fran to face the 49ers in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the Packers, Rams, and the Saints all remain in the hunt at 5-6. and six. Yeah, the, the Rams are 5-6. and six. I think that the Seahawks are going to fall out over the next few weeks. I think the Rams find their way in over the next few weeks. I still... I, we might get into this more tomorrow. I, I'm actually doing uh, an in-studio border battle Ooh. slash kind of in the zone with uh, with Dave Sinekin because hey. of... I mean, and you and I during news, I, I want to jump into the Wolves. Awesome win last night against OKC. But the the Packers are looming. And I don't think he was special on Thanksgiving, but he was efficient. He played the most intelligent football that I've seen him play this season. Uh, Jordan Love was not a liability, and the defense showed up. So he got all the complimentary aspects of things going well around him. Not so penalty-laden as the team has been throughout the year. And the Packers are looming at 5-6. and six. So that's just the only way to look at it at this stage. So we got to figure out this uh, this Dobbs dilemma, and and go and mash on the Raiders, and and go and smash the Bengals. Something I'm having trouble confidently envisioning at this particular point. Thanks to Max for Vikes Bites. Vikes Bites provided by Northern Fire Grilling and Barbecue Supply. Get in the next couple of days before the end of the month. Take advantage of every day is Black Friday at Northern Fire during November. Uh, some sweet Christmas time, December deals coming up. They're open on Sundays now, too. So you can stop in seven days a week at Northern Fire Grilling and Barbecue Supply. Gabe Henderson from TCO Studios in Egan is next. It's second hour, 9 to noon. Nordo in for PA on the fan. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.